Welcome to the Yogi MD Podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Do you want to have a full and more vibrant life? Then don't neglect a single part of your health. Taking care of yourself responsibly means balancing your social, emotional, mental, physical, intellectual, and spiritual health. It's a multidimensional, more comprehensive, and more rewarding approach. I hope you've enjoyed and learned ways to improve your social, emotional, and mental health so far. But now it's time to nurture our physical health. All of my guests compel you to care for your body so that you don't just survive, but thrive. Former two-time Olympian, Bayano Kamani. Instead of asking someone for an extrinsic value on why you should do something, you should have a starting point with your first why. Start there, and along the way, you'll collect other reasons for doing it so that no matter what situation presents itself, you will still have a why for getting out of the door. Sleep physician and psychiatrist, Dr. Kara Uli. When things get so off with their sleep, that actually restricts their freedom. And a lot of the teens that I'm meeting with, they're so exhausted that they're just locked into that and they don't have freedom and they can't explore because they're so tired and it erodes their relationships. Treatment for teens and is very different from adults. It's about allowing them to have good enough sleep such that they can function and then they can do what they are supposed to do as teens, which is to figure out what they want. Healthy aging expert and nutritionist, Annie Goudreau. My value is that I want to age with strength and be able to have the most quality of life for the longest amount of time. That's my driver. You have to have an intimate relationship with yourself first and foremost. Never mind your husband or your wife or partner or whatever. It starts here. And founder of Yoga for Arthritis, Dr. Stephanie Munaz. Pain deteriorates gray matter in the brain. Meditation builds gray matter in the brain. And so you can think of, and especially because it's in similar regions, you could say that Meditation is an antidote for the effects of chronic pain on the brain. If you are curious about becoming a physically healthy human being, you'll be happy you took the time to listen. Today, my guest is two-time Olympian, Bayano Kamani. It's definitely not monolithic, my relationship with running. I started running when I was around eight years old and... I think any kid running at that young of an age probably doesn't necessarily enjoy it very much because there's a lot of practice involved. And But you know you have to practice in order to get better. And the best part of running at that age is like winning a race or getting at the time and proving and things like that. I went to Baylor University and I um, did really well there as NCAA champion and all that. And then after that, I moved out to Los Angeles to train for the Olympic Games. And then I was a professional athlete at that point. So there's the whole like running in all these cities all over the world. 
then there was coaching and now there's more like casual community running and getting people encouraged to run and finding ways to communicate uh, to people about running and bringing people together around running. So my favorite moment with running was when I was at a really low point. Um, like I said, I, I was really good as a youth and I left college and like I said, I moved out here to train and things weren't really going my way, at, meaning I was running slower than I was when I was in university. I was going to a track meet in Portland. I just didn't feel it. I just didn't feel what I normally feel when I'm running. You know, like there's something that happens in the in my race where it just it just turns on and there's like this attack mode. And every time I went to that gear, it just failed me, you know? And it failed me in Portland. Both of my parents were pretty big in, in my development. I remember calling my dad and saying, you know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I feel like I'm, I want to quit, blah, 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 this and that. And my dad was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the total opposite of when you, you know, go crying into your parents' arms that you want to hear. I got off the phone upset with him and then I had this whole like effing attitude, like I'm not going to give up, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, from, from there, a couple of meets after that, Things started feeling a lot better. Ended up, that was an Olympic year. I ended up going to the Olympic Games that year and finishing fifth in the Olympics and finished the year ranked second in the world. I, it was a defining moment for, you know, when you hit, feel like you're hitting the bottom, you can only go up, like I said, you know, and like just being really resilient and believing in, in everything that you learn throughout the process. Were you able to identify what happened while you were having that low moment? Uh, not really. I think it was just a transition period between, you know, collegiate track and field, the training cycle, having track meets every week, just a different environment. And now I'm, I'm a professional, you know, I'm doing this on my own. I don't have teammates that are depending on me or any, any outside other you have all these different motivators when you're on a team and since i wasn't on a team even though i had people i was training with it was just a different environment and i just wasn't being patient with it because what i was doing should have been working you know my coach wasn't telling me i was doing anything wrong it wasn't until things started feeling right that i could identify that something is working and that's where trust comes in like if you can't trust the person you're working with you'll always be looking for the reason why it's not working which will just lead it to continuing to not work so that's a perfect analysis i i thank you for revealing that your process and thinking about why you might have been experiencing what you're experiencing so that leads me to wonder about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation have you thought about that mm -hmm. intrinsic let me get it right intrinsic is like motivation within and e extrinsic is like your coach yelling at you or your family needing to eat whatever right absolutely so as you could probably tell from the story mm -hmm. like i grew up being very intrinsically motivated it was like i feel like my family promoted that intrinsic 
Like we had this whole like no whining type of thing in our family. Like mm -hmm. no, I, you can't really go crying to anyone in our family expecting to get like a pat on the back. Everyone's just gonna look at you like you're crazy because it's it's up to you if you want to do it or not. That's literally how it works. So I feel like the extrinsic stuff is just it's just like a a helpful like breeze. Mm. You know, it just kind of helps you along a little bit, or it might be like a change in the current. But I'm already decided that I'm going to go from here to there. Intrinsic is like, I, that's going to motivate me to build the boat, build the sails, assemble the crew, mm -hmm. launch it. We're going to go over there. That's all intrinsic. And I have a plan. I know how the currents work and all this stuff. And like you're going and you're sailing and then extrinsic would just be like, the light shining a certain way to make you feel better about the decision yes. decision that you decided to make or the breeze at the right time. Mm -hmm. To me, that's extrinsic. And it's really helpful if it happens at a time where you need it the most. I try to do that with people. I try to be extrinsically motivating at a time where I feel like people can need it the most. I work in community now with running. And from my experience, being like this super athlete guy it's almost it gives people an excuse not to be great because they will try to compare themselves to me it's almost like well of course you can do it because you're an olympian it's like that's so unfair for you to even say that i mean well yeah of course i can do it because i i'm an olympian because i said i was going to do that mm. you know so me saying like you can run a 5k is that's on you do you want to do it yes all right great we're going to do it but there's times where i kind of have to like dissect myself like there's strength in being um the strong need to be vulnerable and the vulnerable need to be strong you know so mm -hmm. me being strong i need to be vulnerable so that the vulnerable can be strong does that make sense? That is like gorgeous. <laughs> what a beautiful so way to say that. That's the way I have to approach it. And and anyone that knows me that's around half the time, they don't even know I'm an Olympian sometimes. It comes out later because I'm I, so busy being vulnerable about what I'm going through and how this made me feel or, you know, like being just really open about what's happening. Like, I don't want to run today because... I just don't feel like doing it, you know, and that's okay. And then when I do run, I make sure I, hey, I ran today. It felt great. Don't forget to breathe, so on and so forth. So it sounds like you have a lot of intention in the way you approach exercising. Another thought that I've been kind of wrestling with and wondering about is, People that may not necessarily have that intrinsic drive to take mm -hmm. care of themselves physically. How do you help a person like that shift the lens from me serving exercise, mm -hmm. me, me having to exercise, yeah. versus exercise is serving me to make mm -hmm. my life better? It's all about perspective because one thing about humans and, and like the way we operate 
is everything is a forced perspective. Like in order to run, you must look at running this way for it to serve you, right? So that means most people, as soon as they start running, they say, okay, I'm going to run, which means I'm going to possibly be running a marathon at some point, you know? Like that's where it goes. It goes from like, I've never run before. I'm interested in running to a marathon. And it happens so fast that you don't even understand why you're doing it anymore. So instead of that, it's like, why do you want to run? I, most people are just like, I want to get in shape. I was like, okay, well, why do you want to get in? Like, you got to ask these whys, you know, until the tree falls. Yeah. You know, and then you can chop up the tree and then you can start the fire or whatever it is you want to do with that tree. But you got to ask why, 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 why um, over and over. I'm in Barbados now, right? And I, I surf. And surfing in LA has been pretty easy because the waves break kind of close to the shore and I kind of know my local, my break and I know the currents and all that stuff. I never had any problem with like feeling in danger, but now I'm in Barbados and there's a lot of reef breaks. So that means the waves break a little bit further off the shore. I'm not familiar with how the currents work here. The lineups are a lot smaller. So like sometimes if you want to surf, you might be the only person out there, which can be terrifying, you know? Um, so I was like, well, I got to become a stronger swimmer, right? I, I got to become a stronger swimmer. That means I have to learn how to swim better, more efficiently, longer, right? So that's my why for learning how to swim. And for me, now I have a purpose every time I go into the water. Uh, you're going to do a minute on or a minute off. You're going to work on your breathing today. And it's like, I'm learning how to swim so I don't die. Mm. That's really it. Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to swim so I can protect myself. And for me, that is a, that is a great reason for swimming. I have no, I'm, I'm not swimming so I can eventually do a triathlon. Now, along the way, I've learned that swimming and being in the water can be a, a place for meditation as well. So now I have another reason to get into the water. So like, Instead of asking someone for an extrinsic value on why you should do something, you should have a starting point with your first why. Start there, and along the way, you'll collect other reasons for doing it so that no matter what situation presents itself, you will still have a why for getting out of the door. It's like, oh, all the marathons are canceled for the year because of COVID. That's okay. I will still run because I like the way I feel when I'm running or I'm going to run in a new place because I like discovering new places on foot. If you have those reasons to run, you're always going to have a reason to run. But if you just have, if the only reason to run is one that someone else gave you, as soon as that's taken away, you're going to be lost. Um, and that's not a good feeling. So it sounds to me like you, you're invested in more than the physical aspect of what physical exercise, what running does for you. Yeah, definitely. My best runs have been runs kind of to nowhere. I've run marathons before and those are, that's cool. Like, even though it felt great because I prepared for it and then I, I did it, 
I mean, like I've been to the Olympics, so like that's a totally different. I will never have another experience like that with running for those reasons. So my reasons for running are totally different than others. People I know that I have had the pleasure of working with, when they cross the finish line in a marathon and break down crying, I get it. Like, I understand why you feel that way. And I will never take that away from someone by saying like, oh, that's nothing. I trained, you know, 16 years to go to the Olympics and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I would never do that. That makes no sense. I think once you like cross the finish line, that's when all these other non-physical reasons for doing it will hit you. And I think that's kind of what makes you want to continue doing it. I don't know. It's like climbing to the top of a mountain and seeing the land. You're not going to climb up there and live up there, but you know how to get up there and you know what it feels like when you get up there and then you can come back down and do whatever you need to do. But whenever you need to get up there and have that feeling, you know that it's, you know, you can do it. So you got to that mountaintop by going to the Olympics. You had to have a tremendous amount of dedication, a tremendous amount of discipline. And, and so I wonder what it was like for you afterwards mm-hmm. coming down from that high. Well, for me, I guess I'm a bit different than other runners in that regard, meaning I knew running was something I was really good at, you know, and I did it kind of for those reasons. And it's not like I didn't enjoy the process of getting better and all of that, but I'm interested in a lot of things. So once that was done and once I realized, yeah, you're probably not going to get back there or now's a good time to kind of go into some other things that you enjoy doing, it was easy for me to let it go because I've seen other people before me struggle letting it go. Yeah. And I've seen other people before me who let it go and were like, cool, that was, that was it. It's always going to be another young guy out of college who's going to do all this crazy stuff. My record at Baylor is still there. I don't know how or why. It's a pretty good record, but it's still there. But like, I don't expect it to be there forever. Um, doing something on that level takes 100% of your body. It's not like, like I said, running in your neighborhood 5K or something like that. It was a, it was an all or nothing feat. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested in music. I'm interested in art and being creative and, you know, just marketing stuff and all of that. Like, I wanted to be more involved in that. So there's something to not tying your identity to one thing is what I'm hearing you saying. It's being curious and open to doing other things and having other tools in your toolbox. Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. Um, yes. I, I definitely don't tie myself to one thing. However... I am an expert at it. I'm an expert. No one can take that away from me. I'm an expert at 400 meter hurdles. Like I can say that without a doubt. However, the way that I became an expert is more valuable to me, right? So all that work and all that process and all that cutting this and shining that and and getting rid of this and adding this and getting to this point of becoming an expert is something that I respect a lot to the point where it almost intrepidates me from entering into other things because I'm like, well, I know what it feels like to be an expert at this. And if I'm going to go into this, 
I don't feel like I'm an expert at this. There's got to be, you know, a hundred people who are an expert at this that could do this. So there's times where it's like, it's like a double edged sword, but because I'm an expert at that, I, and I know the process of getting there whenever I can speak to someone else who is either, um, either on their way to become an expert or an expert, I, I'm very curious, so I always ask questions that I know either they can answer or they would like to think about. Something else I'm curious about, adapting running Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. we age. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it kind of comes down to what do you want to do when you're running? And, and then also it's like the key word is you're running at that point because I don't run 400 meter hurdles anymore. Now I'll go run, I'll try to train for a marathon or I'll just try to run for an hour. And because of like social media and all this other stuff, like you can see what all these other people are doing and you want to compete against them. And, but that might not be the best thing to do. You know, uh, you're 40 years old. You're looking at other people that are 40 years old and this guy is running, you know, a 15 minute 5k and you've never run under 21 minutes before. You're going to feel like you're not doing something right. And that may not be the case. It just might be that guy's just really fast, you know, but like you have to be very careful comparing yourself other people your age or just other people in general it has to become a labor of love like i love myself so i'm going to work hard to become better me not so it's not it can't be like i i got to be the fastest guy at the ymca because you'll just get hurt without a doubt you'll get hurt i've seen everyone get hurt that's tries to do that so how do you caution people you're helping to inspire to maintain or start a running habit about injury prevention? Um, it usually starts with like, I want to run. Okay. Are you running now? No. Um, do you have running shoes? No. Okay. Then you start there, like making sure they have the right equipment (laughs) before they go out running in Jordans and like jeans. And then, making it really imperative that you have to start slow you and it might be walk for a minute jog for a minute for 20 minutes even elite runners will run slowly on their long run they don't go out and run their long runs at a, at a marathon pace they go out and run them really slow because you're building up endurance stamina and preventing injuries yeah, yeah like your muscles are probably in some atrophy state and you're going to go out here and just bang on them it's not good for your muscles at all and then like i said you're building up your stamina you're building up your mental tolerance to being outside running the uncomfort of like breathing hard and being tired isn't there because you're running slow then the monsters on the bed or in the closet start coming out you know once you get relaxed you know that's when they start coming out and and poking their head like, hey, we've been out here a long time. This is getting scary. Or 
Mm-hmm. You know, you start getting tense. Mm-hmm. All these things start happening, but you're not tired. Even I'll be swimming just fine. I'm not tired. I'm breathing. I feel really good. And then for some reason, like something will just jump in your head like, hey, man, we've been swimming a long time. But something will creep into your head and say, hey, we've been doing this longer than we're used to doing it. Panic, panic. And and sure enough, I pop up and I'm like, okay. So you got to fight the mental part of like your body saying we're going into a place we've never gone before. But that can be a wonderful byproduct of performing this physical activity. It's becoming a more mentally proficient, a more mentally self-aware person because you're having these thoughts and you go, okay, I'm having these thoughts. Why am I having these thoughts? What Mm -hmm. can I do? Is it real? And then, okay, Mm -hmm. now, now I have a choice. What am I going to do about this? Am I going to just react Mm -hmm. or can I respond to this in a, calm, relaxed manner, as you said. That makes perfect sense. And mindfulness, the thing with the mental part, when you get into that place of like uncomfort, figuring out how to not necessarily overcome that or run from that, figuring out how to like just be in that is something that you can use outside of running. And that's where like the real valuable part comes in. I was extremely uncomfortable. I didn't fight being uncomfortable because fighting is it's tense. It causes stress. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. you're going to be fighting against something and you both are just going to be rolling around on the ground getting dirty. So you, you can't fight it. But then at the same time, you, you can't ignore it and try to stuff it with a good feeling either. You, if you ever heard a pilot when they're like in duress and like going to crash or getting close to crashing, you never hear them like, oh my gosh, the plane, like, the plane's not responding to anything. They're like, okay, checking this, not working, doing that, not working also. Okay, uh, control, this isn't. They're like super calm. And they're because they've been in some very stressful moments so many times that their body just allows them to just focus on this and then that and then this and then this. And there's a lot of weird things happening in the United States of America, which is where I'm from, with anything from election to COVID to Black Lives Matter. There's a lot of weird things happening. But I think running and being in these stressful environments mentally has allowed me to not be so reactionary under duress. There's a stressor out there. I'm aware of it but I'm not allowing it to direct me in any direction. And that happens when you're running all of the time. Stressful stuff will happen and it will either take you off of your plan and ruin your entire race, your entire experience, your entire everything. I fell when I was running the other day. I was like, I just laid on the ground for a while. I was tired. (laughs) I fell. I was on the beach and I was like, man, I'm just tired. I'm just going to lay here for a while. You know, and that was my decision. I wasn't running for any time or anything like that. But I could see how if I was and I tripped over something and I fell, it's like, whoop, that's it. Out of the window. Plan's done. It sounds like you've <laughs> learned an awful lot about yourself. You've allowed yourself to have 
all of these experiences for what they are, and you haven't yeah. avoided them or, or tried to f- fight with anything, and you've just kind of noticed what's happened in that moment and then oh, taken yeah. all that experience with you to learn more about who you are and the choices yeah. you can make in your life. Yeah. No, I, I fought them and I tried to avoid, I tried it all. I tried it all. Fighting, avoiding, all of that. And it just, they just come back. They'll just come right back either stronger than before or sneakier than before. And so I don't do that anymore. There's no point. Um, it makes you feel like such a strong person too, when you can stand up to stress, you know, and not allow it to pressure you into like folding you into all these pieces. Again, I'm at the beach and there's the ocean here and just standing in the ocean and allowing things to just kind of like flow around you. It'll push you towards the shore. And the next thing you know, it's sucking you right back out towards the sea. And you can like panic and try to like paddle one way. Oh, the waves are pushing me towards the shore. Let me panic and, and, and swim away. And then next thing you know, it's, it's pulling you out towards the sea. And you're like, okay, I'm going to panic and swim towards the shore. And you're just spinning. You're in one place just like turning the water to the point where you're just exhausted. Instead, you could have just, just noticed how it's moving and then just be, just be, basically. Mm, mm that old old man i'm getting old man. like I, <laughs> I i love it though it sounds like wisdom like, bayano wisdom that's oh, what man, we call like, it it's, the grays are coming in it's just like <laughs> i just i love it because i now it all makes sense turning the microphone over to you do you have any questions for me why is exercise important One of the main reasons I do this podcast and I teach the wise women that I teach is because I want to dispel the myths that exercises this thing outside of us that we have to do in order to Mm -hmm. look a certain way. I believe that for a long time. And it was very damaging. I I found myself living outside of myself and being in that competition world of it has to be this dress size and I have to be the same size or smaller than my peers in order to look a certain Mm -hmm. way. And this is what success looks like externally. And ultimately, it didn't work. There was also at the same time, this part of me that was seeking more meaning with the exercise. So I found myself, I'm not a runner, I tried, but it didn't work for me personally. So Mm -hmm. there were other things that I liked better. So I tried martial arts, and I liked Taekwondo Mm -hmm. a lot. I enjoy doing yoga a lot. I do, yes, aerobic activity. I make sure I do all Mm -hmm. those things. I do my strength training, but I look at it very differently. I look at it as exercise as a way to make my life better. And that's what Mm -hmm. the message that I try to instill and and model for other people and, and to encourage for other people. It's how is the exercise serving you? How does it make you more mentally flexible? How does it make you more curious? How does, because, Mm -hmm. 
You've got to try different things to figure out what works for you. It's your life. What fits into your own lifestyle? And then how is it enhancing your lifestyle? I noticed for me, my physical exercise is very tied into my mental and emotional well-being. If I let myself go too many days without some physical activity, I start to mm-hmm. feel really horrible. I start to feel sluggish yeah. and my mood is not good. So yeah. I've known, I've noticed, I know this about myself. So I know what I need to do and the type of activity I need to do in order to be my, present my best self to the world. I, so I hear what you're saying and it sounds like exercise is an extremely personal thing. The thing that makes it hard to communicate the why, like I said, the why people are always asking for the why from someone else Mm -hmm. when the why should come from within. Mm -hmm. And like, but when, when you're so passionate about it because what it did for you and people see that, then they want your why. Like, how do you communicate that it is a it is a personal journey and that you may not see or feel the results that I felt or you may not see or feel the results that are in store for you. We don't even know what they are because you haven't done anything yet, but you might not see that for X amount of time. And don't ask me what X amount of time is because I don't know what it is for you. Like, how do you, how can you encourage someone to do something when you don't know what it is they should be doing or how long they should be doing it or any of that? Like how, how do you see a way to like do that better? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. And so what I try to do, I'm an extremely practical person. We all need to live a life. We need to function. Are you feeling pain on a regular basis? Is something bugging you regularly? Are you having trouble doing some of your daily activities? Are you feeling a low stamina to get certain things done. I've had experiences with people saying, I've had, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm having trouble Mm. making it up and down my stairs. I can't Mm. get through doing the laundry, just going and and just doing sounds simple, but there's a few things that go into carrying it and loading it and unload and doing all that. And I, I can't seem to get through my daily activities. It's like, well, so what's your physical activity like? You know, and then we just as used to take it back to what you said in the beginning, super slow. There's mm-hmm. no reason for you to think that you have to hit the gym. I hate New Year's resolutions. It's like oh black, and, black and white. It's like, well, yeah. I got to go and be all out. I have to go from zero being on my couch all day to all of a sudden I'm going to exercise seven days a week for an hour every day. And I'm going to become an athlete. It's like, well, no, you're not. You, you've got to go very slowly and you have to figure out what's going to be sustainable. And then you've got to stop and pay attention. Okay. So I did this thing today. What was I able to do after I did this thing? What was I not able Mm -hmm. to do? How did it fit? Did I like it? You know, did is this something I want to continue? So I'm always encouraging people to go slow, ask themselves questions and see how it is enhancing their lives. For me, I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about my stamina to do the laundry. That's not my thing. That's not my problem, at least not right now. So mm-hmm. there are other things that helps me do. 
But for a woman who's having trouble doing that, and all of a sudden she does a yoga practice with me because I teach yoga, then she can say, oh my goodness, I did the breathing and I did the stretching and my posture was better. So I was able to get through the whole task that I wasn't able to do before. So it's, I, I try to encourage you to be very personal, being responsible for yourself and taking your own journey to figure out what is going to make my life the best it can be. Yeah, that makes sense. You have to remind them to be aware that it's personal for them as well. Because if they're in a, an environment with other people, they'll start looking left and looking right. Like, oh, Susan's holding the plank for one minute and I'm only holding it for 40 Who seconds. Who cares? You know? Yeah, exactly. But when they're in that environment, it turns into this whole competition thing Mm -hmm. and um and even as an instructor if you're giving your attention to that person and saying like oh great job susan you did it for a minute but you know jane did it for 30 seconds but jane did it for 15 seconds two weeks ago Mm -hmm. um encouraging people to to do it their way is important so perfectly said perfect so my last question what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? My personal definition of what it means to be healthy, it, it changes a lot. Mm-hmm. It used to be just being in shape, and now it's like not being in pain. Sustainability is kind of like, for me, being healthy. I'm in Barbados now, like I said, and like I'm trying to make sure that I'm cooking food that is as local to the area as possible. Just being aware of like my impact on everything, questioning like consumption and things like that. Cause that'll make you extremely unhealthy, not just food and all these other, just like consuming things just because you don't know what to do with yourself. Like there's no Amazon prime here. I haven't bought anything off of Amazon. I'm like, wow, that feels good. I feel like I took a diet in that regard. It's like, man, I, I feel good about, I feel healthy in that way. Being curious, being healthy, asking questions. For me, that is the definition of health right now. Thank you so much. So much great information. So many wise things to say. Yeah, no, really, really. I I so appreciate this. I can't, I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And now it's time for the mindful minute. Everybody's different. Everybody has different motivations. You are an individual. Gretchen Rubin's work identifies four tendencies. What motivates us? An upholder meets outer and inner expectations. A questioner resists outer but meets inner expectations. An obliger resists inner but meets outer expectations. And a rebel resists both inner and outer expectations. Which are you? And what value does exercise add to your life? Dear wise women, 
Thank you for growing our community. Keep using your wisdom and emotional intelligence to share this episode with someone in your social circle who will benefit from hearing it. Your grandma and your mom need yoga. Maybe you need yoga too. I teach yoga to wise women. I believe in empowering and educating wise women to thrive on their terms at every stage of life. Let's hear what a wise woman has to say. I'm a worrier. It's a little much, I think. And yoga always calmed me down. You know, it gave me a a positive focus. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, It's just really been like a centerpiece in my life. And I didn't have that until virtual yoga. To learn more, connect with me at yogimd.net. And finally, podcast theme music is by my niece, Maya Bishop, on vocals. My daughter, Lizzie Kelly, on guitar and bass. Yours truly, on percussion. And produced by Tim Buell. Thanks for being here. See you next time.